Welcome to the Ghost Gold Podcast. My name is Andrew Pissarro. I'm back in here with the one, the only, Alex Moss. It is we're fake. back. It is, we are back. Start queue up, return of the Mac. Just, just we're back. It's summertime. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. It's not buttoned. Uh, I, hold on, hold on. You hear this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I already cracked mine. I'm, I'm 100 honest with you. I was gonna. I was thinking to myself the complete opposite thought. I was like, oh, I'm going to crack mine now so that... Sound of the summer, uh, It baby. doesn't... Yeah, no, I, I fucked up on that one, that's you, for sure. You really did. But we are in the middle of the World Cup. It was a fantastic opening weekend. Uh, matches started on Thursday. There is literally no better time. Uh, and I, I got to give it to you, Alex, because you tweeted it out, at ASMoss92, at Andrew Pissarro for myself, at Javi A-I-R for Javier uh like air jordan but like, reversed javi yeah, air yeah exactly and <laughs> of air jordan, pod. it's air javi exactly Javier. exactly uh you you tweeted out the best comparison i could give to the world cup it's like christmas morning if christmas happened for the next month like yeah <laughs> every day i've woken up and it's like fuck i gotta turn on tv like i, I gotta watch so- like soccer it's like i've been watching soccer on my train rides I was walking the streets today and watching soccer on. Shout out to Fox Sports. You don't do everything right, but you fixed your oh. app. The Fox Sports Go app actually works now. It didn't used to work. I can't confirm that one, but now it works. I've been able to turn on my phone and watch any game whenever I wanted, which is a huge W. Um, but, oh, my God. It is, it's great to be here to talk about the world cup we've already had some great performances we're going to dig in deep on portugal spain i seeing a ronaldo hat trick and that match was fantastic uh we've had some stout defensive games we saw russia just run away with it against saudi arabia on the opening day but in el gasico have you heard that <laughs> that's fantastic actually el gasico <laughs> i love that they should make that a yearly thing like the yearly the russians dicking down saudi arabia but <laughs> before we dig in uh before we we really dig in and before we go out to russia because we had the ghost gold podcast we have something a lot of your your other soccer podcasts don't have we have a man on the ground it's because we're better than you and you, you just gotta accept it but you just have to know people in this industry andrew exactly. you just have to know people it's all about who you know baby it's all about who you know but uh alex um what performance player team has impressed you the most? Before we go to Javier, who has impressed you the most? Oh, gosh. Through like four days, you're catching me off here. Um, single single player, I'd have to say Cristiano Ronaldo. I know that's like the easy go-to answer, but uh, the expectations where they were for that game and with the rest of his teammates doing basically nothing, he just dragged Portugal to a, to a draw, a very important draw, against one of the toughest opponents they will face in this tournament, Spain. I totally agree with you. Uh, if you didn't go with that one, because you didn't go with that one, I was going to go with the other one, and that is the Mexican national team. We will talk about the Mexican national team later on oh, in this we'll podcast. Talk about but they had a great team performance today against Germany. Eighty-five um, percent of teams that win their opening game go on to advance out of the World Cup in the group Oof, stages. That's a great stat. Yeah, pretty sure I saw that on Twitter. So shout outs to whoever I saw that from. Let's go out to Russia. Let's hear from our boy. Javier, how are you faring out there? Hey guys, this is Javier. I just wanted to give you guys a goal goal update here in uh, Moscow, Russia. It's been a pretty amazing last four days. Um, there's just been so much energy from the city, 
Um, the Russian people have been fantastic. They've been really hospitable and nice to us. Um, you know, it, it's actually not that expensive to get around in transportation and food. And, you know, we've just been, you know, going to different restaurants and bars and, uh, and you know, obviously on the streets, we went to FanFest and, and uh, were with a big crowd of Peruvians and saw the march uh, to the stadium. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been an absolute uh, dream coming here to Russia. So, you know, I highly recommend going to a World Cup. You know, in, in 2000, they just announced, you know, 2026 is going to be the U.S. World Cup. So, you know, you guys all, all I'll see you guys all there. You know, it's going to be a, a great time. Let me quickly give you guys my thoughts on the games. Um, I thought that that Russia 5-0 result was absolutely awesome. You know, the Russians went uh, went pretty crazy that day. And, you know, they aren't really expecting anything from their team this World Cup. They just kind of expect them to get out of the group because they're the host nation and have gotten an easy group. But, um, you know, they seem to be building their excitement. And, you know, all around the city, you can feel that the World Cup has, you know, brought this place together. Um, that Uruguay result was heartbreaking for Egypt. Uh, I can really feel for them. You could see Salah almost, you know, in tears on the sideline. But what an Uruguay way to win it with, uh, you know, a header from a defender after, you know, a half dozen chances for Cavani and Suarez that they missed. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a typical way for Uruguay to win. Uh, Group B, it seems to be, you know, really just between Spain and Portugal. I know that Iran got that result, but... Um, you know, they were always fighting with Morocco for that third place, and Morocco were just devastated to concede that own goal in the last minute. Um, it was so unlucky that they that they came out of that game with nothing. In terms of Group C, yeah, what a disappointing result that was for Peru yesterday. I thought Peru played really well. I thought that, you know, uh, despite that penalty miss, Cueva was, was excellent. Carrillo you know, despite that one mistake that basically led to the Denmark goal, he also played really well. Um, you know, Farfan was good. The, the defense was really solid. De Denmark didn't really get that many chances. You know, most of their chances were created off mistakes that we made. And, you know, if our finishing had been a little bit better or, you know, even if Cueva had put in that penalty, that, that game could have been 2 or 3 nil for Peru. So, you know, if Peru had played badly, then I think I'd be quite upset right now and, I would think that we'd have no chance in the next game, but we played pretty well. And on the other token, France didn't play that great, and Australia looked pretty decent, and they got unlucky to get away with a you know a 2-1 loss to France in that game. So I think there could be surprises still in this group. I think that you know that that Denmark Australia game. I think Australia could definitely get a result from Denmark, especially if Denmark played the way they did against um, against Peru, and. France, I mean, we're we're going to be going into that game guns blazing trying to win that game because I think we have to go. We have to win that France game and win the Australia game to get out of this group. So, you know, look for that to be a really exciting and, you know, maybe high-scoring game. So, you know, I, I think we can beat them, but I think our chances are obviously much lower now that we uh, now that we lost to Denmark. I briefly forgot to mention the uh, the Spain-Portugal game. You know, what a performance from Ronaldo. Uh, something like 45 free kicks since he had he had never scored for his national team off of a free kick in a competitive tournament. Um, so I think he'd done it in qualifying a few times, but he'd never actually done it in a tournament. And he tried 45 times and finally scored on in, in the most important one. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys will break the game down, but, you know, that game was definitely the most exciting of the World Cup, and that one's going to be very hard to top. 
what an amazing result for Iceland. You know, they this was their first game of the World Cup, and they were able to get a result against, you know, the finalists of uh, the World Cup in 2014. And, you know, very surprising that Messi missed again. Uh, that's four out of seven penalties that Messi has missed in his last, you know, his last seven penalties he's taken. He missed four of them. So I don't know what's going on with this guy. I don't know if, you know, something's in his head or... You know, uh, the pressure's mounting on him, and, and, and he's not living up to it. But I'm very disappointed with him right now, and, you know, look for him to bounce back in these next couple of games. Croatia got that great result 2-0, 2-0 over Nigeria, which, you know, uh, I think a few people expected Croatia to get out of this group, and it looks like they might even be able to top the group with Argentina struggling. So I think that would be beneficial for Peru. You know, if, if we end up squeaking out of the group in second, then, you know, we might face Croatia, which which I don't think would be that bad of a matchup for us. Finally, today, uh, we also had Brazil-Switzerland uh, draw, which was quite surprising to me. But, you know, I picked both of those teams to go out of the group. So, at the same time, you know, the Swiss are ranked something like fourth or fifth in the world. So, it's, it's not that surprising that they were able to get a result against Brazil. Um, I think Brazil are still my picks for the world champions, but, you know, they did look uh, not as good good as I thought they were going to do in this first game and you know they struggled to create real good uh, goal scoring opportunities in the second half when they really needed a score. I would have actually started Douglas Costa over William on the right wing and you know uh, other than that I think you could also maybe argue starting Fernandinho over a Paulinho who you know he looked lost at times in this Brazilian midfield. Um, other than that, you know, they, they definitely got some changes they could make here and there and, you know, look for them to, to bounce back and get wins in these next couple of games. Um, you know, Serbia won their game that they needed to win. They got their result over Costa Rica, who look like they're probably going to be the whipping boys of this group. And I don't think they're going to do it anything close to what they did in these last couple World Cups where they surprised everyone and got out of their group. So... But what an amazing World Cup it's been so far. You know, we've had upsets, you know, back and forth results. And, and I and I got to put in a, a good word for that VAR because, you know, there's been four or five penalties that th the refs just haven't called in this tournament. And they've waited for the VAR to tell them if it was actually a penalty or not, which I'm actually okay with because, you know, those those penalties in previous tournaments and in the past wouldn't have been called. And, you know, I think that this VAR has been excellent in the tournament and, and people can't complain about the results with it. I'll be traveling to uh, Yekaterinburg on Tuesday and um, I'm going to be there for a couple of days uh, for that game uh, against France. And let me tell you guys, it's going to be crazy again. Uh, you know, listen for that noise in the stadium and all of the Peruvian fans because, you know, we're still going to be behind our team, uh, you know, screaming our butts off, trying to trying to pull them over the line against, um, against those French gimps. Finally, I just wanted to mention uh, what a monstrous result from, from Mexico beating Germany. Um, you know, I wasn't as bold to say that Germany wouldn't get out of this group. I still think that they're going to get out of the group. But I do think they're going to struggle and probably get knocked out, you know, either in the round of 16 or in the round of 8. And, you know, Mexico and Germany are probably going to be the two to get out of this group. But I don't think anyone really expected Mexico to win, uh, especially after the way that they, you know, they lost both of their friendlies and they had that big, you know, giant party party orgy that, you know, <laughs> is absolutely crazy to have before a World Cup. But, hey, they got the result and, you know, you, you, you can't fault them for it. So 
And that's it for me, guys. Um, I'll definitely be getting you guys with another update next week. Thanks for listening again. Y vamos Perú, carajo. Thanks, guys. Honestly, it's so cool that he's there. Like, I'm so jealous. And to, to hear the fact that the Russian people have been hospitable so far is actually a huge thing for this World Cup. It was probably the number one thing I was worried about. When you think about the, the violence that we saw in the France Euros, particularly from the Russian fans, I was worried about how they were going to host it. Now, obviously, things will change if the Russians go into the knockout stages um, and things could get more violent, but... So far, so good. Haven't heard a bad thing about it yet, and that is the number one thing. But let's get in to the thick of it. Uh, obviously, opening day, quickly. We one saw- more thing. Oh, yeah. One more thing before we move on. I do want to say shout-out to Javier. He's obviously stepped in for you, Andrew, for the last uh, month or two on the podcast. Uh, I honestly don't know who else I would have uh, thought of to step in and sort of like help keep the podcast going on, who could step in and talk about uh, – any topic in the world of football uh, with like very insightful uh, thoughts to it. Like it's, it's difficult to find that in someone. So for obviously you had the very sudden move up to New York. It was great to just have Javier on hand. He's done a couple pods before, obviously, and he was ready to go and he did a great job. Yeah. And uh, we haven't, infor- we haven't informed him of this yet, but he is a permanent member of team ghost goal. Now, like he's, he's yeah. yeah. Like he's been Shout branded. Out to team ghost goal. He's been branded. Uh, if you want to be branded, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram and uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes, and uh, we can brand you too. Uh, so I'm going to rip through all the results that we have on hand real quick. Russia opening it up on day one, 5-0 over Saudi Arabia. Uruguay with a late winner over Egypt, 1-0. Iran also a late winner over Morocco. Portugal, Spain, 3-3. Game of the tournament so far. France, 2-1 over Australia. Argentina drawing with Iceland, which is one of the bigger surprises. Denmark getting a 1-0 result over Peru. Croatia, my only familiar relations in this tournament, not to brag, 2-0 over Nigeria. Serbia, 1-0 over Costa Rica. Mexico with the shock of the tournament, 1-0 over Germany. And Brazil and Switzerland tying at one after another peach of a Philippe Coutinho goal. Uh, before we really dig in, I just got to say, watching that Coutinho goal really hurt me. It still hurts. It's like when you see your ex with a hotter boyfriend. It's like I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you hadn't watched any of his Barcelona performances this season. I refused. Uh, he, I absolutely refused. He kept scoring those goals after he left you guys. Uh, I think there needs to be a new meme. You remember the uh, Aryan Robin meme, the lick cut inside man that like popped up for a few years there where like everyone was posting these like warnings about do not let this man cut inside for Aryan Robin. Uh, I think we need a new, there needs to be a new version of that for Philippe Coutinho because you give him like half an inch of space on that one left like side of the box. He doesn't even need to get any sort of momentum behind it. He can just almost chip it to like the far corner and just place it in there. It's it's like FIFA 2016 level uh, finesse. Oh, like, the settings, finesse shot in FIFA. Where you could just you could just you could finesse from anywhere and score if you were like Robert Lewandowski or like Luis Suarez or someone like that. It was unfair. <laughs> it was. It was a it was a better time. It was a simpler time. Uh, let's go. Let's start with Egypt Uruguay because the, the thing about this game that impressed me was the fact that uh, Egypt hung around in this game. Uh, Uruguay with one of the best front duos because it's Cavani and, and uh, Suarez, uh, a solid midfield, a team I think could potentially go to maybe the semifinals. That they're like my, yeah. my dark horse team. Um, 
getting held off by by Egypt with with without Mohammed Salah, which which really makes you wonder what this Egyptian team can do when you add the talisman back into the team. Alex, how did you feel about both sides in this game? Well, as we covered in the preview pods uh, on Egypt, we. I was kind of venting my frustration how uh, Hector Cooper, their manager, kind of tends to lean more defensive and more conservative with his tactics for the Egyptian national team. Meanwhile, they've got all this talent at the other end. Not only Mohamed Salah, as you mentioned, like a bunch of other players, Sobi, we've covered them all before. They're, they're decent. They look like they could be a decent attacking side, but you feel like that might be holding them back a little bit. But I thought this for this game, it was probably the perfect tactic because they conceded numerous chances that they were just lucky that Cavani and uh, Suarez like missed. So basically they had four or five chances each that they probably should have taken. Eventually they get done by the, the header goal at the end by uh, Jimenez, as Javier mentioned, a very Uruguay thing to do. But if Salah had been in the game, you feel like maybe they have a one goal lead at that point. Maybe they get a point from that fixture. Maybe, you know, he, he basically, he adds to you an extra goal threat that, it gives you a little bit of a buffer against a team like Uruguay. Like I have no doubt that Salah would have at least created two or three more chances that were like he probably would have taken at least one. So at that point, if Uruguay score at the last minute to equalize and it's 1-1 after the first game, good, you can work with that. Now you're six goals behind Russia and you're in a lot of trouble. Obviously, the three points too. I still have faith in uh, Egypt. I think... The, the biggest thing is that they, number one, they need Uruguay to take care of business against Russia, and Egypt has to spank Saudi Arabia, and they just have to beat Oh, Russia. they surely will. And that's Salah Arabia must defense. be salivating over that. Over, <laughs> under, over, under, nice, by the way, over, under, three and a half goals for Mohamed Salah versus Saudi Arabia. I'm going to take the under because I hear that his shoulder is still pretty fucked. Like people were taking selfies with him outside the stadium. And when they bumped into him, he was like wincing like, yikes, this is just uh this is just anecdotes. I have no proof for any of this. I have no source on this. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, it's making the rounds. Fuck it. I'm taking the over. Uh, <laughs> Are you sticking by the Egypt pick to get out of the group? I am. I'm sticking. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. Um, uh, yeah, let's move on. Uh, the Iran-Morocco game, I did watch. Uh, I had it on because I didn't have to go to work. And there was soccer on. So you bet your ass I was going to watch it. It wasn't great. It was It was not great. Uh, this uh, Morocco to get out of the group pick looks really fucking dumb. And I... You took that? You no, that I pick? didn't. I did not. Uh. But, like, there's a lot of pundits out there who did. And uh, they all look like idiots. And, um... It's going to be Portugal and Spain, um, which let's go talk about right now. Like, this was a this was a gift. Well, before actually, before we move on to Portugal, saying I do want to mention that Iran in the second half of this game uh, didn't have a shot on goal in the second half and still ended up scoring in the ninety fifth minute from obviously an own goal, so it doesn't register as a shot. But what a crazy like uh, like run of events to lead to that. Like I, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. And Iran, ha- have hope. But as you mentioned, these next two teams are going to suck whatever hope they have out of them in these next two games. So, yeah, Portugal-Spain, 3-3. Three, three. Uh, Ronaldo opening it in the fourth minute with a penalty. Diego Costa with one of the most... One of the best individual performance goals I've... Now, as a, as a casual watcher of Diego Costa, I... Was that that might be my favorite Diego Costa goal? Alex can go on for days about the man. Uh, he then takes Spain up 
Then uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scores again in the 44th. It's 2-1 going in a half. Costa in the 55th. Nacho with a wonder strike in the 58th. And Cristiano Ronaldo with one of those free kick goals that you, you, you draw it up it, just like FIFA in the 88th minute, all tied, end of time. Uh, there's a couple things we need to talk about. Uh, the second Ronaldo goal, total howler, David De Gea moment. Uh, <laughs> David DeCarius? Yeah, I was getting to it. I was getting there. Uh, not great. I was not thrilled with the Ronaldo penalty call. Um, wow, uh, really? Yeah. I don't think you can debate that. That was a pretty bang-bang simple I penalty, a, to be honest. I thought it was a light call. Um, Nacho got played. Um, but I didn't think there was enough. Oh, yes, he did. Not like Nacho should have done better against Ronaldo in that moment. Um, I thought it was a soft penalty. Uh, I thought Ronaldo dove a little bit, and I wasn't thrilled about that. But I, see, this game was tough for me to watch because it's like I'm still pissed at Sergio Ramos, but I'm also like I'm always not Team Ronaldo. So this was like there wasn't really like a way to walk out of this game and be like, okay, I'm happy with this, but. The indiv- like you said earlier, the individual performance from Cristiano was uh, probably the best. Like it is the best of the tournament. Um, I don't know how far this Portugal team can go without him dragging them there because uh, Guedes had a was having a great game until he got to the eighteen yard box. Like he was making a lot of ton of fun runs. I was very impressed with him, but he couldn't do anything about finishing. Like Portugal honestly could have scored two or three more goals. They were getting in the position and weren't finishing. And um, honestly, I was in the middle of a, a, so side note, I've been in Brooklyn now for two weeks and my parents came up this weekend and brought in some furniture and my dad literally showed up right at the beginning of the second half and I missed the first 15 minutes of the second half. So I missed oh. the Costa and the Nacho goals, the second Costa and Nacho goal. But, uh, I was, I mean, Spain were, were Spain, Portugal had their moments, but as a neutral with no dog in this fight, this was a great game. But uh, what about what, did you, what about you, Alex? Look, speak to me about the wonders of the man Diego Costa. Oh God, Diego Costa! I could go all day about him, as you mentioned. Uh, I will. I will just say that first Diego Costa goal. Uh, there's a lot of controversy about whether he fouled Pepe or not. He probably did. Uh, but has there ever been, and will there ever be, a more Diego Costa goal than that one? It just perfectly like encapsulates him, like who he is as a center forward and who he is as like a, as a player all around. Um, so that was great to see. It was great to see him after the difficult World Cup in 2014, where he went into it kind of injured. Spain dropped out in the group stages. Uh, Portugal, sorry, not Portugal. Uh, Holland and Chile went through instead of them as world champions. So uh, it was good to see him get sort of like his redemption on a World Cup stage. But I was more looking at this match in terms of like how are Spain going to react to the absolutely chaotic last two or three days they've had before their World Cup kicked off. Where we haven't mentioned on this podcast yet because the timing hasn't worked out. But Spain's manager, Julian Lopetegui, was fired two days before they kicked off against Portugal in the first game of the World Cup. That's completely unheard of. There's There's been firings and hirings in between teams qualifying for the tournament and teams playing the tournament, but never like a day or two before. So when you take all that into account, Spain, it, they couldn't really do much about the three goals they conceded. I thought they played really, really well. And I thought Spain come out of this game thinking uh, much better of themselves under the, their current circumstances than Portugal do. As you mentioned, Portugal looked kind of a mess other than Cristiano Ronaldo. So... 
uh, yeah, I, I still am stepping away from my Spain pick to win the the World Cup, and I, I I'm uh, I'm going to claim that I'm able to do that just because their manager was fired two days before. Like that yeah. has literally never happened to a contender in the World Cup ever. Like I'm switching my pick to to Brazil, even after both of their performances. I'm switching my pick to Brazil. It just I'll, has to I'll be give done. you that. I'll give you that. I mean, Brazil is obviously also who I took, uh, and I'll say this. Uh, so to inform the podcast listeners, I'm sure most of you know, but Lopetelli was it was Lopetegui. Yeah, whatever. Lopetegui. We're not a we're not a La Liga podcast. I don't need to pronounce. You're making it. him sound like an Italian. <laughs> Lopetelli. I've been hanging out in Brooklyn, and I was with the Italian half of the family all day on the beach. Oh, uh, okay. It, it They're rubbing off on you <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, so he accepted the Real Madrid job. It was supposed to come out after the World Cup. It leaked, and like the Real Madrid players in the bar in the uh, Spanish locker room knew about it. It leaked to the Barcelona players, and so basically Real Madrid had to announce it. Mind you, this comes after Zidane steps down. So uh, the the like the president but- of Spanish football was so pissed about it, and what they weren't at uh, no one of the reasons they were pissed is that he was under contract until the Euros, so he was. And he didn't tell them about he was even having negotiations. It and, just yeah. the news came up five and, minutes before they were about to announce it. Right. And so he was personally insulted, and that's why he got sacked. And in comes Hierro, who was a defender and I believe a captain of Real Madrid back in the day. Um, Real Madrid legend. Um, and so, I mean, the the one thing I will say about Spain, and I, I, I do think they looked very good at times, Um there's no pace on those wings. Well, on, on the attack. Well, once you line. get Carvajal back, I think with Nacho, obviously he scored that great goal, but he doesn't offer the same thing going forward that Carvajal does. And when they have both Carvajal and Jordi Alba on the left, the the pace and like the width of that whole team is completely like fixed. I would agree with you, but there's no Jose Calajon. Like, I mean, then they did bring on Lucas, but that's my one my one like questionable thing about Spain. But also, like, outside of Belgium and maybe Brazil, you look at some of the width with some of these teams, and it's like Germany left Sané behind. Um, there, You know, there's no Netherlands to worry about Robin. Like, you don't have a ton of teams with super pace. Like, I guess it makes sense when you look at some of the other rosters around the cup for Spain, but um, that, that has me a little concerned. Uh, let's move on, though, because I'm done. You good? France wins 2-1 over Australia. Griezmann on the penalty. Yedinak also on a penalty. And Aziz Bechik with an own goal. Um, I don't have too much to add about this. I just wanted to show, throw out there that the French did I, win their opening match. Alex, you I will mention. I will mention this was the first uh, really significant use of VAR at this uh, tournament where uh, the Griezmann penalty that was drawn in the 58th minute only occurred because VAR informed the referee and they looked at it and the referee gave a penalty. Uh, I... I don't think they needed it for the Mila Yedinak penalty. I think it was pretty cut and dry. Uh, and then they had the goal line technology, I think, for the second time. I think they had it in 2014. And the goal line technology helped uh, give France's winner. The, the one that it says they, they labeled it an Aziz Behic's own goal, but I'm pretty sure it was like a Pogba goal. Like it, yeah. I, I would count it as a goal towards Paul Pogba if I was him. So. Uh, yeah, it was some good use of, uh, of VAR, as Javier mentioned on his uh, little excerpt earlier. 
Let's jump to uh, this was early Saturday morning. Uh, Argentina taking on Iceland. Sergio Aguero opening the scoring in the 19th minute, and then Finn. <sighs> Finn Boss, Finn Bogason, Finn Bogason, Finn yeah, Finn Bogason, uh, equalizes it for Iceland. Messi goes on to miss a penalty, not a great penalty shot. Usually, the guy's pretty automatic when you watch him with uh, with Brazil. But honestly, if I'm Argentina, I think I'm taking Leo off the penalties outside of a penalty shoot because he has not been great for Argentina from the spot. He's. I think Javier mentioned it uh, earlier that he's missed something like three of his last five penalties. Yeah. He's not got a good penalty scoring rate as like of late. And I've never considered him like an absolute sure thing when he stepped up for penalties. Ever since he missed one in the semifinal of the 2012 Champions League against Chelsea, I remember that being the first time it crossed my mind. Like, oh wow, this guy isn't an absolute sure thing when he steps up for a penalty like this. Obviously, if he doesn't improve at that, they've got someone like Sergio Aguero who can probably take penalties a little bit better than him. I think he takes them for Manchester City most of the time. Uh, Yeah, I I wouldn't be completely opposed to that. That's a huge penalty that he missed today. So from what I saw of this match, because I didn't catch every single minute just dealing with stuff, uh, Argentina looked like they were lacking that creative piece in midfield. Like, they're just... From what I saw, there wasn't enough, like, yeah, you have that great front line, but, like, who's supplying the front line? Like, you saw, you saw, I, I look at Argentina at times, and, and I say the same thing that a lot of people said about Liverpool, or that that, fam- that famous meme, where it's, like, the picture of a car, and the front of the car is a Lamborghini, the middle of the car is, like, a Toyota Corolla, and the back of the car is, like, a rusted out piece of shit. Like... This uh, that that's my concern with Argentina right now is that they need to be creative in midfield. And they still have games against Nigeria and Croatia, and if they can't, you know, we know this Iceland team can stand on its head and, and frustrate the hell out of you. We know that they have better sides. Like Vikings are taller than Argentinian people. Like it's just science. <laughs> uh, it's like, genetics. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not it's it's not one person's fault or the other. It's just it's just fact. Uh, but I. I'm not worried about Argentina. This just wasn't the start I think they were looking for, and I don't think they got that start in the last World Cup, which is why like, I still think they're going to be okay. But this is a little concerning. As we mentioned in our, uh, our preview pods, it was the goalkeeper situation with Romero going down in those preseason friendlies or during training or whatever it was. That's what first got me or my brain ticking on, oh, could Argentina be the one that uh, slips in this in this World Cup, and it's like one of the the bigger favorites that isn't able to even get out of the group stage. Because we, we all know there's obviously one every single year. Javier mentioned Germany, which obviously we'll talk about later, but now looks like it could be a possibility. But Argentina were another uh, big contender for that, just based off of how difficult this group is. But what I will say about this matchup and why it wasn't perfect for them is that this, this team definitely struggles to break down these low-block defensive teams. Like, obviously, Iceland is bread to do. They won't have the same problems against Croatia against and against Nigeria. Those will be far more open games. There'll be far more space for not only Lionel Messi, but for the likes of Aguero and uh, Angel Di Maria. And if they choose him, uh, Meza, the guy who played on the right wing for this Iceland game, there'll be far more space for them to sort of get their counterattacks going much more frequently because Iceland Alex, defended absolutely amazingly. Alex, you, you know which team we just described. Which team is that? Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, it's, and, and it's, the, I it's mean, quite similar. The running ghost goal joke is that Lionel Messi is the 
the Argentinian Mohamed Salah. So, I mean, it all fits. Like, Argentina are the Liverpool of this tournament. Yeah, I mean, you, you could say that. I mean, I mean, is Liverpool's... I mean... Is Liverpool's goalkeeping situation as bad as having Wilfredo Caballero in goal? Like, no, it's not. Caballero is definitely a far worse option. He was Chelsea's backup this whole year. And... Honestly, like he may have started kind of well in some cup games, but closer to the end of the year, closer to obviously this tournament, he's not been impressive whatsoever. And there's been noticeable uh, mistakes that he's made during games. And he made a mistake during this game that allowed the ball to pop up to Finn Bogerson to equalize. Just to, it was three or four minutes. Mistakes. It was three or four minutes after Aguero scored and put Argentina ahead. They should have been in a great uh, situation to sit deep and start to counterattack themselves on Iceland and they could have ripped them to pieces, but they obviously have the few uh, dis- defensive mishaps that cause them to only get the, the point out of it. All right, let's go to, uh, let's go to the game where our man was on the ground. Peru zero, Denmark one, Polson gets the one goal in the 59th minute. This was an, honestly a fantastic watch. Uh, yeah. Minus the Fox commentator. Cause that guy fucking sucked. And, <laughs> and I, I have friends in that building and I hate to be that guy, but like, he was mispronouncing stuff. He was getting stuff wrong. Like these were two guys who honestly sounded like they had called a bunch of lower tier soccer games. And Fox was like, "Hey, go call a World Cup game. This is a great idea." They were awful. Um, yeah, it's been a struggle for some games. But also, while we're while we're while I'm dis while I'm dissing Fox real quick, I want to give a shout out to Fox for uh, you know who's been on the games and I thought she's done very well is Ali Wagner, first ever woman calling a game for the men's World Cup. Anyways. Let's go back to the game. This game was honestly was back and forth. Both teams had a ton of chances. Goalkeepers had days. Schmeichel, I think, uh, might might get my vote for man of the match at times because he individually put like just took away a lot of chances for this Peru team. Um, but this this was a this was a really like honestly for a game that didn't have like a high profile name behind it. It was really back and forth, and I did have fun watching it. Yeah, these two teams. I was it, everyone was very interested to see how both their styles complemented each other because they both kind of tend to be on the a little bit more defensive side, but they're capable in possession when they get it. So it was kind of interesting to see which one would sort of seed possession first and, and and look to try and get the other to be sucked out of their of their own half, and so they could exploit that space. And it kind of went back and forth. Ten or fifteen minutes Peru, ten or fifteen minutes Denmark, uh, and then. Peru missed the penalty right at the end of the first half. Uh, the second half starts and Denmark seemed to be sort of all over them after Peru had started so promisingly. Uh, Peru just, even after they went down from the, the one mistake that Javier mentioned earlier from Carrillo, they went down, they started to, th- they threw Paulo Guerrero, the captain that so many people had been talking about, uh, about how great it was he's going to be included in this World Cup. Their chances, the quality of chances immediately improved, but they were just so wasteful. And it's just it's heartbreaking for them because they did play well. I don't think I don't think even the the Danish players would uh, object to the fact that Peru played very very well, perhaps well enough to even win the game. But if you can't take your chances like they did for the Farfan cutback that uh, Schmeichel was able to save, that should have been a goal. Schmeichel definitely made a good save, but if you're in the World Cup, you're a team of Peru's quality and with their expectations, that has to be a goal. Obviously, the penalty uh, Cueva cannot miss that penalty, and he didn't even get it on target. 
it's uh it's disappointing and it kind of it kind of leads you to think maybe Peru's tournament is over because they really couldn't afford to lose that game. But as again as Javier said, there's still an avenue open to Peru maybe sneaking in, in the second spot. I don't have that. I took I took Denmark from the start. Um I'm I'm I really like this Denmark team personally. Um I get they they win yeah, ugly. Not, I'll give them that because that was a, that was an ugly. They're not win, pretty, for sure. but there's so many pieces that it's like this team could be really, this team could be very good in the coming years. I mean, Chris, I mean, outside of Christian Eriksen, you look at this team and some of its best pieces aren't really at their prime. I particularly I look at this club and I say, this is one to watch the Euros. This is not like this is not a tournament where I really think anything's going to happen for them. But the Euros in a couple years. This that's when I think you'll see a little bit more full fruition from this team. But yeah, I mean, I, I this was a tough game for Peru. They absolutely have to win that Australia game and hope that Denmark's next game next yeah. game is against France. Actually, well, Australia is the to last win, one. They have to do they something have to get... against France if they want to stay alive, and it's going to be tough. Um, I I don't know what to expect still from France, but. Um, Croatia got a 2-0 victory over Nigeria Watched most of this game Was pretty back and forth Until the Croatian midfield kind of took over um, Serbia getting a like I said 1-0 victory over Costa Rica Hell of a goal from Kolarov uh, arguably, ar- arguably a better free kick Than the uh, Cristiano Ronaldo one And that brings us to today With I, I want to mention real quick The Serbia-Costa Rica match was yes, this right. morning It was today on Sunday Uh I want to. I want. I want to unofficially throw my hat on the Serbia bandwagon. I. Uh, oh, I'm on there. I took them to go out of the group. Well, yes, as did I. But I, I think I want to up the ante a little bit. Oh. I'm thinking maybe a sneaky quarterfinal appearance from uh, Serbia. Maybe even a semifinal. I, I got was the midfield to do it. I was so impressed by their control of that game today, where Costa Rica still had some like very very significant chances off the counterattack. But they just looked a cut beneath Serbia. And Serbia so often, and this is my criticism of them in the uh, the previews, so often they've sort of shrunk and like sort of played down to their opposition. But today they really looked a cut above Costa Rica, which makes me think uh, with their next game being against, oh, I believe, I believe their next game is against uh, Brazil. That's like the big game, obviously. If they get a draw against Brazil, which looks doable from that first game, as we'll get to, uh, maybe they could even win the group and get themselves an easier draw for their actually, first knockout game. Actually, Serbia takes on uh, it's ju- Switzerland. Serbia, is Switzerland next? Okay, even yeah. better. If they get a win against Switzerland, which I think is very attainable, and it wasn't that pressed by Sw- Switzerland today, uh, I could see I could see Serbia maybe uh, nicking this group, getting first. Wow. That'd be huge. It would also fuck my entire bracket. Uh, I'm about jump- it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey. I don't have any money running on it, so let's jump to the uh, the rest of the games from today. Both uh, both surprises. Uh, Mexico one nil over Germany. Irving Lozano, Chucky as they call him, uh, playing his uh, trade over at PSV in uh, the Netherlands. Um, he gets the. Uh, Gets the one goal today for for Mexico on a counterattack, and um, 
Look, I didn't watch every second of this game. I saw the tail end of it. <laughs> you when, seem upset, uh, Andrew. You seem upset that Mexico, one of your rivals, got a, a huge win against yeah. the world champions, the defending world champions. I will. I don't know who to ask this question, and I'm not trying to like be condescending or anything. But like, where does this win come? You know, stand for Mexico, like all time. I'm not really uh, an expert in uh, Mexican, Mexican football his- history. Yeah. Uh, they've been out of the group before. They've had uh, great teams before. I- I- I'm not aware of what their greatest or their f- highest World Cup finishes. Whether it's they like got- a quarterfinal. Yeah, I'm guessing the goals that got them to a quarterfinal are probably bigger than this. But but I that's mean, just still, me. This is this is a huge win for them. Like. Yeah, it, it, it bucks national... it bucks the trend of uh, Mexico playing well uh, against lesser opposition and even against somewhat uh, equal opposition. But when it and came I like the lineup to they put out. yeah yeah for sure, but I mean, but it when it usually comes to the the big guns, let's just say they usually sort of fall flat in their faces in, in uh, friendlies and competitive games. That's why people have thrown around that eight straight losses in the round of 16 or six straight losses or something. I can't remember the exact stat, but that's their record in the last six world cups. They get out of the group, but they lose to as soon as they face anyone that's a little bit better than them. So it was a huge result for them to, to get for sure to defend so well throughout it. It, it lends, it lends big assurances to anyone that is obviously a Mexico fan and uh, has picked Mexico to do well in this world cup. The part of this game that I, really got to watch closely the most was the tail end of it. It's Germany trying to get uh, back in the game. And I was honestly really disappointed in the Germans' uh, tactics because it was honestly very English. Like for for a uh, a national team and fans that talk about dire mineshaft, we are the machine, like there was a lot of Route 1 football going on. And, like, I get it, it's the end of the game. And, like, Manuel Neuer came up for a corner. Manuel Neuer, like, stuck around after that corner to try to get on the end of something. Like, this is the German national team. Like, I questioned bringing Sammy Kadira. I questioned not bringing – I questioned starting Sammy Kadira, not bringing him. I think he absolutely deserves to bring there, but to be there. But I questioned not bringing Leroy Sané. And it's like – I'm – I still have Germany in my final, but my question is, like, they had so many good players that they could have picked from. Did they pick? Did they over-rely on that 2014 squad? Because we saw Spain do the last thing in the last World Cup. This should have... I mean, I know that Mexico defended well, but these German players play for some of the best clubs in the world. We've seen them break down better defenses. I think you might be understating how good Mexico were defensively because they were they were really good like I don't I don't know many teams in world football right now at the very top level that would have been able to break down that Mexico defense because it it wasn't it wasn't just when they were sitting very low defensively like really backed in close to their goal like they were at the end of the game it was throughout the game constant pressure medium up the pitch high up the pitch they were just excellent at making any sort of movement that Germany usually make easily when they're just sort of like not – no one really contests them that high up the pitch because they're too afraid to commit people forward. But Mexico did it so so well and so, so disciplined that they were able to harry and harass Germany into making mistakes when they were making simple passes, which then created counterattacking opportunities that – 
this Germany squad, I don't think, is used to uh, conceding against the honestly the usual sort of not top quality opposition that they face in European qualifying. You know, I think that one of the best teams in their group this this time around was Northern Ireland. They got the the, the second place. Mexico's a whole lot better than Northern Ireland, and you're going to have to be you're going to have to be ready to uh, get some pressure in your face as a as a defender right off the bat. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I think it was more just a Germany where had an off day. Mexico had a day where just everything everyone was completely 100 percent dialed in, and that led to obviously the great result. Germany will bounce back though for sure. All right, let's jump to the last big one of today, and that was Brazil 1-1 over Switzerland. Coutinho, like we talked about earlier, just Coutinho goal, and Steven Zuber uh, in the 50th minute, and that was all they wrote for the match here. Uh, I did not get to watch any of this one. I went to the beach today, uh, spent Father's Day with my aunt and uncle and cousins, uh, who I was the ones I was staying with out in Long Island. Uh, so they invited me to the beach, and I took them up on it, so... Um, didn't get to watch all this, but uh, Alex, how was this match overall? Kind of disappointing for the neutral. You know, as a neutral, you you check in to watch Brazil because it's it's Brazil at the World Cup. What could be more romantic as a football fan? That's what you want to see. You want to see all these great players uh, from a team that's proven over the last two years during qualifying just uh, how positive their chemistry is. And today that all just seemed to evaporate. I don't know if it was the pressure of a World Cup. I don't know if it was Switzerland being uh, honestly okay defensively. They, I don't think it was a, a performance that warranted them getting a point out of. I think Brazil definitely a better team, but they definitely seem sort of blunted in a way. Neymar had some decent opportunities, but never really seemed to get in that rhythm that he gets as he's dribbling, where they just continue to attack and attack and recover the ball. and attack. He never got those kind of opportunities that lead to defensive defenses breaking down and him being able to capitalize on those on those breakdowns and those mistakes. So I guess some credit needs to be given to Switzerland because they certainly played okay uh, defensively, but there's still the concerns with Switzerland that they don't really have the goal-scoring pedigree. The players like Shakiri seem to kind of shrink from this uh, game. Uh, Seferovic was okay, but wasn't really a goal threat. They brought on Mbolo, who we covered in the preview pod, kind of later on, and he helped sort of work hard to keep the to keep it at one one. He wasn't really an attacking threat, so so a lot more question marks come out about both these teams from this game than sort of answers. It wasn't no one really won this game. Uh, what did you think of uh, Neymar's choice of hairstyle? I'm okay with it. I'm not really someone who gets uh, bent out of shape about ha- hairstyles. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's 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 fine by me. People were saying it looked like Ronaldo circa two thousand three, two thousand four. Uh, so quick. Uh, I heard this somewhere, and I don't remember where, but I heard a rumor that you see a lot of these guys dye. There's somebody on the Japanese team apparently who did it, or South Korean, that they dyed their hair blonde going into the World Cup so that they would stand out, which was just like. So that they could stand out and get, you know, easily picked off uh, by scouts and watched. And that, that was a hot rumor I heard is why, why these soccer players bleach their hair so that they're more recognizable to the scouts. Um, uh, there are a lot of Twitter rumors that uh, my, uh, my favorite Brazilian player, Roberto Firmino, could slot into the starting role for the next game for Brazil, which I would be excited about. Um, we got a couple big games coming up tomorrow and for the rest of the week. Um, in particular, 
I see. I don't want to go too far because we're not going to be able to record every single day here for you guys. So uh, I'm guessing we're going to do Sundays, right? Yeah, most Just... likely it's going to be Sundays. Uh, but I will say I'm excited to watch the Senegal game, Senegal Poland game on Tuesday morning. I think that is going to be a really even game. Uh, other big ones throughout the week. You've got France and Peru on Thursday. Brazil, yeah. Costa Rica on Friday. Argentina, Croatia on Thursday. Uh, and also we have England and Belgium kicking off probably while you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on Monday. So it's another great week. Um, oh, yeah, that was the last thing I was going to ask you. Che- uh, Alex, any uh, quick Chelsea tidbits to sneak in before we uh, run away and watch more World Cup? I'm, I, I see your bait, and I'm not biting. Uh, this is a bait. I, I've covered I was actually on this- asking. I, I've covered this on this podcast before. Everything with Chelsea right now is just rumors and bullshit. And I'm not going to react to it on this pod until something is set in stone and something is 100% concrete evidence definitely going to happen. That's fair. So it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that I, you just can't touch until until something actually happens. All right, well, the one Liverpool piece of news that I'm excited about, uh, Rion Brewster, the uh, – Golden boot score uh, for the uh, golden boot winner for the England U uh, seventeen. No, I think it was a U twenty team when they won the World Cup last summer. Uh, is about to sign a, his first professional contract with Liverpool. His contract was about to extend to end, and he was supposed to go potentially to Borussia Mönchengladbach, and then Liverpool threatened to report them and canceled a po- uh, canceled a preseason friendly with Winch and Gladback because of this and now Brewster is uh probably going to sign his first full-time contract expect to see him in red this year I'm really excited about this kid like way more excited about like a 17 18 year old than I should be like borderline illegal just loan him out loan him out to Borussia Mönchengladbach so that'll, that'll uh, make things yeah better. you can hang out with Reese Oxford yeah <laughs> English kids English kids abroad lads on tour lads on tour <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps it up from us uh, for all of our latest hot. T- oh, that was it. That wasn't the last thing. Plot uh, twist. I have to talk about an American legend that pissed me off this week. Oh, God. All right. Obviously, let's recognize the horse in the room, elephant in the room, rhinoceros in the room. Let's go with rhino. Uh, <laughs> the United States not in the World Cup. Shocking. I know. Okay. So there's a lot of talk on Twitter right now about who should I root for. This was for the Mexico Germany game, Andrew. This was for that. Yeah. Well, we. I don't know how you didn't remember from that. It's called drinking all day, Alex. <laughs> it's a skill. Uh, anyways, so Landon Donovan partnered up with Wells Fargo to tell you that his other team is Mexico. I'm really irritated by this because I want to ask you if uh, Seamus Coleman, Irish player, Ireland not in the World Cup, uh, was sponsored by some bank in the UK to say my other team is England in an attempt to get Irish people to watch the World Cup. How would that go? Well, given the extremely hostile history between the two nations, which I I guess you could perhaps make a parallel between the United States and Mexico. There's not a great relationship right now. I mean, right now. Yeah. I mean, I personally would argue that the historically things aren't always great. I personally would argue that, uh, the Irish and English history is a little bit more extensive. I'll give you that. It does sort of reach back to sort of like medieval times kind of, uh, because 
they are so close and one nation is so much smaller in comparison to the other. Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be received well. I'm pretty sure people would uh, disown Seamus Coleman and uh, call for him to not be captain of Ireland anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, if he was retired, people would just be like, "What kind of a fucking idiot is he? <laughs> like, what is wrong with him?" Like, they wouldn't be able to do anything. They would just call him an idiot and move on. I see. This is what it makes no sense to me. Is that I... there's there's two sides of the philosophy. There's the there's the what I called on Twitter today the Kentucky football logic. Kentucky football is awful. They're not good at football. But because they're in the SEC, they walk around and thump their chests when Alabama wins yet another championship. And they says, well, we got drubbed by Alabama 45 to nothing this year, but they're the national champions, so it makes us look better. I think that's a terrible logic. I, I, I want the United States to do well. I don't really... You, you know what, Andrew? You, you, should, you should tell U.S. fans, don't be like Kentucky fans. Be like Auburn fans hate your rival and always root for them to fail because I know a hell of a lot of Auburn fans that don't give a rat's ass that Alabama is in their conference and that it quote unquote makes their conference look better. Auburn fans hate Alabama because they're their rival and that's how it should be. And they just, that's just how they live their lives. I had an interaction with someone on Twitter today. Uh, I think it's at Alex likes tacos. I also like tacos. Um, great Chelsea Twitter follow. If you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah. Um, Goes in the Calcio land pod. Yeah. I hate the Mexican national team. I don't hate yeah. Mexicans. I think This is sports. This is sports. I'm supposed to not like my rivals. I also had a fun interaction on Twitter about this with, with uh, Brooke Winalda, daughter of Eric Winalda. She learned something, learned great defending from this game. That's what you should walk into this game and learn. We should sit down for these games, not necessarily to have a dog in the fight, but to sit down and enjoy the soccer. I don't need yeah. to root for anyone. Like, I talked about it earlier. Like, Croatia is the only team I have genealogical – I just created a word. Genetic. Genetic relations to. But I'm not, like, buying a Croatia jersey. I'm probably going to because they're fucking awesome, but not because I'm rooting for them. Like, I – yeah, I want to see them do okay, but I didn't pick them to win the World Cup. I'm not going to lose sleep over them. I'm not going to go attempt to fly to Croatia – to celebrate their World Cup team, I'm going to fly to Croatia because it's a beautiful country. Like, you don't... can confirm. I have been to split. You beautiful place. You don't need to have a dog in the fight. You can just show up and watch it and have fun. There's nothing wrong with that. What I think Donovan was trying to do is try to get some of these, like, people who weren't going to watch the game anyways to watch the game. And this is my biggest issue with soccer media, period. It caters too much to making that new fan and not actually educating the people they've already got to watch the game. And this is where I think it missed. I think it's mostly on Wells Fargo here, also, though, yeah. because they supposedly, they had Landon Donovan signed to this promotion deal during the World Cup before they knew that the USA wasn't going to be at the World Cup. Mm. So they, they, they like were frantically trying to come up with another angle to sort of pitch with Landon Donovan. They're obviously U.S. soccer superstar, as their spokesperson, and this is what they settled on. I mean, that's kind of a weird decision in and of itself, but, you know, it's a decision that they were forced to make based off of U.S. soccer itself not being able to show up. Well, fuck you, U.S. soccer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, let's just mention, the Patties won it. They won the uh, the other Ghost Goal Bowl. Ireland oh, won, or it. Ireland 2, USA 1. <laughs> Alan Judge acting as judge, jury, and executioner right at the death. I'm so more excited for Tim Weah than I really should be. 
Oh, he's a he's a nice little player. You guys have got yourself a nice little player I'm there. Stoked for him. All right, that actually wraps it up. Uh, we'll have another episode coming for you next weekend. Until then, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMoss92, at Javi Air. And uh, also, please, 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 we know your friends are watching the World Cup. We know they need some fun banter, but actual knowledgeable World Cup. Send this podcast to someone. Be like, hey, man, I saw you watching the Cup. I listen to this podcast. comes out once a week. You can listen to it in periods. I don't give a shit. Please listen. And like, review us on iTunes. It helps us. And if you help us, maybe one day I'll help you. Can't make any promise. Until then. See ya.